0: last week, but just expand on it. Uh, We're going to be in 1 Kings 19, we're going to be in Proverbs 29, and then we're going to be in Judges chapter 4. But um, it's good to see everyone here. You brave the cold. And so uh, we, we woke up this morning and we were looking at the temperature. It was five degrees. In the mountains where I'm from, it was 10 degrees warmer. So a heat wave's coming, guys. All right, just hold on for another day or two and everything will start to thaw out. And so I went out yesterday and I noticed there was ice in the yard beside the driveway where Carrie threw a cup of ice out like on Thursday, and it hasn't melted at this point yet. So those ice cubes are still there, so I I slipped and hit my head. No, not really, but um, I was giving a hard time about that. But, you know, I believe for 2018 that God has something amazing for you. Let me say it again. I believe, 2018, that God has something amazing for you. And I don't just say that flippantly or casually or without really meaning it. But do you believe that? Do you believe that God has something amazing planned for you in this coming year? And not just one thing, but maybe many things. Do you believe that? All right, I want you to say it. Say it again. Say it to your neighbor. Say it to another neighbor. Alright, do you believe it a little bit more now? No? That didn't sound very good. Do you believe a little bit more now that God has something amazing for you in this coming year? Amen? Alright, because I believe He does, and I believe God believes he has something amazing for you this year, whether you believe it or not. Now, we just finished our time of prayer and fasting, and I believe also that God spoke to every one of us in some form or fashion. Maybe you didn't hear the audible voice. Maybe you didn't see a vision or, or a dream or, or anything like that. Maybe you're saying, no, God really didn't speak to me. No, he spoke to you, I believe, in some form or fashion. And maybe tomorrow, maybe this afternoon, maybe next week, you will receive more of that as, as you continue to press into him. And so this fast was a little bit different for us as a church because what we've done more with the fast in the past, I didn't mean to rhyme that, in in previous fast is it was about the corporate aspect of PIC. Let's pray for the church. Let's pray for the kids' ministry. Let's pray for worship ministry. Let's let's pray for the vision of the church. Let's pray about outreach. And there was a component of that. There was one sheet in our packet that um, talked about some corporate requests. But primarily, this fast was focused on you. Not saying it wasn't focused on God, but you going before God and hearing God's voice and, and dealing with some stuff, asking, making some commitments, and, and putting some stuff out on paper. You know, day one of the fast. And if you haven't done this packet that looks like this, I have some more copies. There's some in the lobby. You don't have to fast for three days to do this. But if you haven't done it, I encourage you to take it, to go through it, it's in your email, I believe I sent it out last week one day, and um, maybe you need to do it even a second time, but the first day talked about the past, what are some of the things in your past that kind of hold you back a little bit, the bitternesses, I don't know if that's, the bitterness, let's just put it that way, the disappointments, well don't look at me. in a strange way, the, the betrayals, the failures, the pain, the regrets, the wounds, all those things that kind of can chase us around like a shadow. And this was a powerful day. I did this actually in the beginning of December, but I came back on Tuesday and did it again and, and God took me, it was like peeling an onion. There was a little bit more that was peeled back and a little bit more. But this is more of exercise. This is a good thing to break off those chains, those things that hold us back. You know, a lot of times we see someone wearing camouflage, like they have a camouflage hat on, or like a, like a toboggan, and, and the boys say this like, I don't see that person's head. You know, we kind of joke around that you know, shouldn't be able to see. It. But sometimes we have these chains or these ropes that we think are not there, but if we stop and we examine just a little bit, We'll see them. And that was the purpose of this, to dig deeper and say, okay, maybe there is a little disappointment. Maybe there is some failure that I'm feeling that, that shouldn't necessarily be there because this person spoke this or because this person spoke that or because I didn't do that, regrets or something. So I encourage you that, that not just do this for the first day of the fast, but maybe this is something you do once a month. Maybe you do this from time to time just to say, okay, Lord, how's my heart? What is there? And just really giving it over to the Lord because I believe then freedom comes because when you give that to God, God, I'm giving you this and I'm asking you to allow me to forgive this person. I'm asking you to allow me to forgive myself for saying that or doing that or not doing that or whatever. It it begins to just change something. And so hopefully you did that And you you can certainly continue to do that as well. Day two was about the presence. It was about establishing spiritual disciplines in our lives in greater ways, making a greater commitment to some of those spiritual disciplines. Maybe you're already in the Word, reading the Word every day, studying for an hour. And maybe prayer's lacking. Maybe celebration's lacking. Maybe fasting's lacking. But just saying, okay, Lord, what are some spiritual disciplines that I need to continue to be committed to in, in, in a greater capacity? And then day three was writing down some goals. What are are four areas in your life that you need to have some goals in? Personal, uh, family, career, school, and ministry. And we're going to come back to this blue page in a little while. But the important thing about this is that you don't lose this page. One, that you do it. So if you haven't done it, we're going to do it. If you started, I haven't finished mine. I've done three of mine, but the fourth one I'm still chewing on. And I believe I know what it is, and I'll explain why I believe I know what it is. But I haven't written it down yet because... I want to make sure I have God's picture and not my picture. And we're going to talk about that in a little while. But we're going to work through this all year. So keep this with you. Take pictures of it. Scan it. Make as many comms as you need if you lose it or whatever. But we're going to come back regularly and pull it out and say, okay, where am I with this? Because we need to measure some of these things. Because I believe God has amazing things for us in this year. Now, we we don't celebrate that we finished a fast. We don't celebrate that we read through the Bible in a year. Now, these are good things. Don't get me wrong. But we don't celebrate, hey, I got through this. We celebrate that through a fast, that through reading the Bible, that through prayer, these spiritual spiritual disciplines, that we worship God in greater capacity. Do you hear that? We don't celebrate a fast, hey, I made it through three days. I was so hungry, or I I really wanted to get on Instagram and send some some tweets. No, I know you don't do that on Instagram, all right? Um, I'm just goofing around but we don't celebrate that necessarily we celebrate the fact that through a spiritual discipline we draw closer to God and we have the freedom to do that and God will speak through us as we continue to do that I want to share a little bit what I shared last week we really want to expand on it in some ways but this year I believe God's making all things new for us and really what I mean by that is God is asking you to allow him to chart a new and different future for you. I talked about this some last week and I talked about it a few weeks ago in terms of the calling of Elijah, that he could have simply continued his past into his present and on into his future and been very successful. He was living a good, normal life. And for us, a lot of times, we can continue forward 2014 into 15 into 16 into 17 and into 18 and be at the end of 18 and look back and say, did anything really change? Was there anything really different? Yes, we gave, we served, we did this, we did that, which are good things and things that we're commanded to do in the word. But I believe there's something greater, something, I don't want to say better, but I think there's something more that God has for us. And many times we settle for something that's a little bit safe or safer or, or more comfortable or easier than what God really wants. First Kings 19, it says, Elijah left there and found Elisha. As he was plowing, 12 teams of oxen were in front of him, and and he was with the 12th team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Let's stay right here for a second. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. He's just walking by. He's plowing the fields, throws his mantle, and just keeps on walking. Because we find out later that Elijah had to run to catch up with him. He wasn't fooling around. And see, sometimes God, I'm not saying God doesn't fool around with us, but a lot of times God just throws it on us, the mantle, which is a good thing, but he's, he's like, come on, you've got you to make a decision to go now. It's not next week, it's not next year, it's not whenever. And a lot of times we're waiting for the perfect, But when I get healed, God, when I know more of the word, God, when I have more confidence in my skills or, or my talents or my gifts. He was plowing the field and all of a sudden this mantle came upon him. He knew who the prophet was and he knew what it signified. But what we find going forward is Elijah, he left the ox and he ran to follow Elijah. So he was was walking. He's like, man, God's moving. And God is moving. He's asking us to run with him and get with him instead of just sitting and standing and waiting for God to move. He's already moving. He wants us to join in. He says, then I will follow you. Or I missed the part. He said, he, he ran and followed Elijah and said, please let me kiss my mother and father, and then I will follow you. Go on back, he replied, for what have I done to you? So he turned back from following him, took the team of oxen, and slaughtered them. With the oxen's wooden yoke and plow, he cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. Now, I'm not saying this didn't take place, but Scripture doesn't record him kissing his mother and his father. Now, it probably did take place. But see, the importance is not on him turning back to kiss his mother and father. It was what he did. It was that he broke ties with his past, or he broke ties with the one thing that may tempt him on down the line. Because it says he immediately turned back. It doesn't say immediately, but in my mind I get this immediately. They turned back, and he came to the oxen, and he slaughtered them. Then he took the plowshare and and the yoke, and he used that wood to create a fire to cook the meat of the slaughtered animal. Or animals. And then he began to invite all his friends and family around to share in this meal. Because what he was telling him is the Lord has called me to do something greater than to plow the fields. Not that plowing the fields that has no honor, but to do something greater, to be prophet over Israel. And I think for us, for you, you're plowing the fields. And God has something greater. And we're saying, man, I just want to plow fields. But God's saying, you need to burn and slaughter some stuff because there's something greater. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. And see, Elijah, he knew that because he burned it and he slaughtered it. Because a week, if he hadn't a week down the road when he's maybe getting stoned or, or Elijah's telling him some crazy stuff or, or whatever, there would be a temptation to go back to it. Man, my oxen are still in the stall. My plow is still sharp and ready to go. A year down the road, two years down the road. But see, he cut those ties. And many times we're holding on stuff in the present that is from the past, whatever it may be. That's that's limiting us. Whether it be money, whether it be education, whether it be something spiritual, whether it be whatever. And and taking God out of the equation, we say, "Oh yeah, with all things God's, or with all with God, all things are possible." We just read it in the Christmas story, but then our actions show. Well, maybe we don't believe with God all things are possible because the way that we hold on to things, we play things safe many times. Last week we talked about um, New Year's resolutions. Ninety-two percent of people fail in their New Year's resolutions. Only eight percent keep them. I think all these eight or all these eight percent. I think all the hundred percent that make New Year's resolutions, they're well-meaning, they're committed, and they're wanting to see change. But yet there's something that holds them back from change. What's the eight percent? God, that the ninety-two percent doesn't have. I don't know the answer to that necessarily. I'm going to speculate here a little bit. Maybe they don't write it down. Maybe they don't have accountability in telling others who will hold them accountable. Maybe there's a reluctance. To me, the biggest thing is the unwillingness to be made uncomfortable. You know, if you want to go to the gym and start losing weight or, or to get buff or whatever, you're going to have to get up early or maybe not early. You're going to have to rearrange your schedule in some way. You're going to have to pay some money to do it. You're going to have to find time. There's going to be all these people there that are already cut and ripped and sweating and grunting that, that's, you know, intimidating at times. You're going to have to deal with that. And sometimes it's easier just to stay at home and say, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. That applies to many areas of our lives. You see, when we begin to read into the story a little bit, and I'm going to take some liberty here this morning. You see Elijah, at least in my mind, I see Elijah, he's out plowing the fields, and his mantle comes flying upon his shoulders. And he, you know, He's not like, oh my gosh, and he's freaking out. See, I think God had already prepared his heart in some way. There was a preparation that had taken place. We see this is God's... Um, character throughout Scripture preparing people's hearts. He prepared Mary's heart. He prepared, I believe, Moses' heart in that moment. He prepared Gideon's heart. Sometimes the reaction of when it actually happens is overwhelming, and, and you see the person's reaction. But the heart is already prepared. God doesn't always just spring something upon us and says, "Hey, I want you to now go and be my prophet over this nation." Like, oh, I had no idea. There's a preparation in the heart. And see, God's already prepared our hearts, and He continues to prepare our hearts to do great things, to do things for his kingdom, to be a vessel. It shouldn't come as a surprise that God puts a mantle on us and says, hey, get out of the boat. Go and do this this year. Don't think small, think big. There's three qualities that Elijah had that, that we also may have. We talked about this last week. He knew who he was. He had a revelation or a vision, and he had a Boldness. We're going to talk about identity, we're going to talk about this vision revelation, and we're going to talk about boldness in in contrast to reluctance this morning. Last week we talked about identity. And as we begin to talk about identity, I said, you know, who are you in Christ? You're a son and daughter. You're you're a child. You're his workmanship. You're chosen. You're the seed of Abraham. You're called. All these things begin to kind of flow out. We're victorious. We're not defeated. We're, We're a son or daughter in the house. We're not a stranger in God's house. We are, we are the head and not, a, not, not to tell and so forth. And then we took some time to do I am statements. And people were, were you know, they were coming a little bit. You know, I'm a friend of God and then um, I'm, a, I'm God's workmanship, things like that. It wasn't a spinal function. It was more of a cranium function. And what I mean by that, you know, when you have to think about something for a minute, when you're doing math sometimes, you're saying, okay, two plus two, and we know based on what Michael preached a couple years ago, that two plus two doesn't always equal four. But, but when you're thinking sometimes about something like that versus it being a spinal function, you're all breathing right now, right? Anyone thinking about it? Now you're thinking about it, right? But it's an involuntary. Everyone take a deep breath. You know, it's an involuntary function. I am statements should be an involuntary function. It just flows out of our heart because we're using them day in and day out. Many times we put them into the attic of our hearts. The things that I use every day, my shoes, my clothes, other things, they're laying around the house. They're easily accessible. Something I don't use, like my Christmas tree, but one month out of the year, it's up in my attic now. And it will stay there until next November. I don't need it out in the foyer. I don't need it in the kitchen. I am statements and who you are in Christ. We need to have them out before us. They need to be a spinal function and not something that's tucked deep down inside that I need to pull out now because I'm having a bad day. We need to be speaking them. And, and declaring them day in and day out, I am God's workmanship. I am his son. I am chosen by God. I am called by God. I am forgiven. Whatever it may be, these things, that, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We need to be able to flow these things out because we're using them all the time. Turn and tell your neighbor who you are in Christ. Not just one, but keep it flowing. Keep it flowing. Keep going. Okay, okay. You get the point, right? Here's here's part of your homework. Google I am statements. It's the easiest thing. There's there's three or four that'll pop up very quick. There's one a PDF file if you find it that, that just you know prints them off. There's like four pages of I am statements. Print it and just begin to speak that over your life. Just begin. We need to know who we are because we're living in a world that's coming at us. Not to glorify the enemy, but there's an enemy who wants to tear us down. And if he can stop us in the place of our identity, then we'll be the same as we go into 2019. We will continue to extend extend our past into our present. And we'll find ourselves at the end of the year, two years from now, three years from now, doing the same thing, plowing the field. And again, there's nothing wrong with plowing the field. Don't get me wrong. But God has some greater things for us. God has more for us and I want us to tap into that it starts with knowing who we are in Christ the reason this is your homework you're going to need it next week because we're going to do an exercise with this we're going to do two exercises one for ourselves and one to bless others in regards to Dartmouth court and I'll explain it more next week so bring these statements because we're going to do something prophetic type exercise in terms of blessing but also something with ourselves. but it's not just for that it's for you as well Think about it. This week, when you go into the world, you're going to hear certain things. What well, would be like, no, 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 I'm God's workmanship. How many times do you feel like, man, I, I'm, I'm not hearing God's voice? You know, like I said, I think everyone heard God's voice or God spoke to you during the prayer and fasting. Maybe you're saying, maybe he didn't speak to me. Maybe I didn't do it right. Maybe I shouldn't have had that one thing at midnight, uh, you know, whatever. God's speaking. God's speaking. You are his workmanship. You are his vessel. Now I brought some utensils with me this morning. And I just want to make a point about substance versus function. The substance of, of these utensils, the material that they're made from is the same. But their function is different. When you begin to pull out other utensils from, from the drawer, you, you see they're all made with the same material. But yet their functions are just a little bit different. Maybe you prefer to eat with this. I prefer to eat with this. Maybe you prefer to use this to get the meat off. Maybe you want to get your soup out with this. See, it could possibly work for soup, but it's not really made that way. See, many times in regards to identity, we say, well, I'm God's workmanship, and, and, and this person's God's workmanship, and this person's God's workmanship, but yet God seems to be moving more in their life because you're looking at their gifting being functioned out or being put into practice. Oh, I want, to be, I want to be a prophet like them, but I'm just called to be an intercessor. No one ever sees what I'm doing. That doesn't matter. Because in the, the day, you're God's workmanship. You're a child of God. You're chosen by God. The substance is still the same, the material is still the same. You may be the can opener, you may be the one behind the scenes that's allowing the can to be open. A non glorious job in some ways, if you think about it. But if that can's not open, you're not eating. And if you try to open it with something like this, you're probably going to get cut or it's going to, you know, different things are going to happen. You might be cussing, I don't know, and then you need to ask for forgiveness. But this makes it very simple, and you put it in the pot, and that's where this comes in or this or something else. And the final product of what is usually seen is used with something such as this. We need to understand we're all made of the same substance. We're all who God says we are. We're all his workmanship. We're all a child. We're all a friend of God, not a stranger. We're all victorious but our function is different. Just because you're not you know, gifted in the way that you think you want it to be doesn't mean God made a mistake. You may be a set of tongs, and tongs has a lot of uses. You may be this spatula. Doesn't mean you're any less. All the same substance, but yet different function. Now understanding that, understanding who you are in Christ, and understanding that you have a function, that you have a gift and a talent, then I believe we have to have a revelation. You know, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no revelation, people run wild, but one who listens to instruction will be happy. Now, I've heard many different sermons on this, and I think sometimes the the application of this is that you get to choose your picture, that you get to choose and take it before God and say, God, here's my picture, bless it. But what this verse is implying is God will give you the revelation. Many times we're scared of that. Because most of the time, God's going to give you a much bigger picture than what you think. For example, if we look at this goal sheet, you know, um, like family, you may say, hey, I'm going to pray for all the members of my family who aren't saved this year. And you bring that before God. God, God, I've got a goal this year. Here it is. I'm going to pray because I don't pray a lot, but I'm going to pray for every member of my family every day. And God says, hey, that's nice. But I've got something bigger for you. I want you to pray, but also I want you to write them a letter of encouragement or to send them a text of encouragement every single week. And I want you to go visit them once a month. And when you visit them, I want you to tell them about what I'm doing in your life, how I'm answering prayer or what I'm doing in the church or what I'm doing here and begin to share Christ. In your life. No, no, I don't want to do that. See, that's the way we bring that revelation many times. We come with a little small one and say, God, this is what's safe and comfortable, what I want to do, this is what's easy. And God says, I've got something much, much bigger. And if you'll step into it, I will not only allow it to come into being, but I will strengthen you, I will, I will provide, I will do whatever is necessary to empower you to step into that. But many times we come because it's big, it's huge, it's beyond us. You know, Michelangelo, when, when he came to Rome to paint the Sistine Chapel, he was just told, hey, paint 12 apostles. But he saw something greater than that. He had, a, he had a revelation or a vision that wasn't just his or the Pope's. It was something big. It, uh, you know, one story says that, that he prayed and God gave him this revelation. I've been able to verify that or not. But, but regardless, he painted this whole ceiling. At the end, I think there's, there's nine or 12 scenes from the, from the, the book of uh, Genesis. It, 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 the cr- God's creation through Christ being re- resurrected is all painted. It's the gospel presented from cover to cover throughout. Say God wants to give us a bigger picture. Are we willing to allow him to, to give us that bigger picture? Are we going to continue to come and say, okay, God, this is what I can offer. This is what I can do. And God says, okay, that's nice. Can I stretch you just a little bit in this? Are we willing to be stretched? You know, it's good to know who we are, and it's good to have this revelation. And hopefully as, as you continue to come before the Lord, you're asking, Lord, give me your picture for my life. Stretch me. These, these have points of action to it, you know. To, to know who you are and continue to declare this, it has implied action. To come before the Lord and ask for a revelation or a vision, it has a, an implied action. But yet, it's not full action. It does require action, and that's where boldness comes in. And, and as we go to Judges chapter four, and we look at the story of Deborah, I believe that we must have boldness like Elijah. You know, for him to stand there with this mantle upon him. I believe he was prepared, but it still took him boldness to step and continue to follow Elijah, to come and slaughter his animals and then to go after him. It took a boldness and not a reluctance. We picked up a story um, in Judges chapter 4. The Israelites were in captivity in verse 1. So verse 2, so the Lord had sold them into, into Jabin's hand and he had this commander named Sisera. Verse 3, we learned the Israelites, they cried out, and uh, Jabin had oppressed him for 20 years. Verse 4, Deborah was a prophetess, a woman who was a prophetess and, and was judging Israel at the time. And it was her custom to send her the palm tree between Ramah and Bethel. Verse 6, she summons Barak. And she says to him this, Hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go deploy the troops on Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the Naphtalites and the Jebulites? Now, where did God speak to Barak? It's not recorded in Scripture. and It doesn't mean it didn't happen. Because a lot of times we don't have these things recorded in Scripture. But here's the thing. God had already spoken to Barak. He had said this. Go deploy the troops. In verse 7 it says, Then I will lure Sisera of Jabin's forces and I will hand him over to you. God had spoken this to to Barak. But Barak obviously was sitting on his hands doing nothing at this point. Had Deborah prophesied? I don't know. Was it another prophet? Had God visited him in a dream? We don't know how Barak got this, but God had spoken to him, but he was still a, in, in reluctance. He had no boldness. He was sitting on his hands and he comes before Deborah, and Deborah's reminding him, you received this word. It wasn't just if you want to. It was a command. Go and do this, and I will deliver you. It wasn't just go and see what happens. It was go and do it, and I will hand them over to you, and you will be victorious. Israel will be victorious. But there's a reluctance that's there. There's a doubt. There's a fear. There's whatever. It sounds like us many times. We have this this." knowledge of who we are in Christ. Maybe we don't always walk it out because of reluctance of, do I really believe I'm God's workmanship based on my past or what people have told me? But the word says that you are his workmanship. It says you're his son. It says this. You've got to begin to believe that. And as we go before God many times, he gives us glimpses of this big picture, but it scares the socks off us and, and we just kind of push back against it. No, God, I'll, I'll do this, but, but don't ask me to do all that stuff. There's a reluctance. And we stand before the Lord many times and God says, haven't I told you that I would take care of you? Haven't I told you I would provide for you? Don't I tell you time and again here in the word that I love you and I care for you, whatever it may be. Why are you still sitting on your hands? Why are you still dreaming small dreams? Barak's sitting here before Deborah. And he has this reluctance because his response in verse 8, he says, hey, if you'll go with me, I'll go. I'm sure he wasn't very confident. Hey, hey, Deborah, if you go with me, I guess um, guess I'll go. You ever been like that? Maybe God spoke to you during the the time of fasting. Maybe he's been speaking to you before this. Maybe he's speaking to you right now. And our head is down. We say, God, I really don't want to do this. But if you'll go with me, okay, I'll do it. And there's, there's this reluctance and there's this attitude of the heart. You're not going to succeed in that. God might as well just just pluck someone out of the crowd and, and put that calling upon them because there may be a greater like, likelihood that they're going to do it. But if you will not go with me, he says, then I will not go. And Deborah responds to him and says, look, okay, I'll go with you, but you'll, you'll receive no honor. In fact, a woman's going to receive honor because she's going to be the victor on this day over Sitra and not you. See, God has called you to great things, to amazing things. If we will just allow him to have that full charge of our hearts and not continue to do what we've done, playing it safe in years in the past, and we even stand now at this place and say, oh, oh yeah, I'm just going to continue on into 2017. God says, no, don't do that. Let me chart a new future. Let me chart a grand future. Let me chart something that's going to stretch you and be completely uncomfortable But yet, at the end of the day, you're going to see that it wasn't you. It was your dependence upon me, and it was me moving your life that brought it about. What's the picture that God's given you? Where do we go from here? You know, I hope that the time of prayer and fasting began to set something of, of a direction and course in our lives to come before Him on a more regular basis. Hopefully it reminded you of who you are in Christ. That I am this and I am that, but I'm not this and that. Maybe it reminded you, as you came before the Lord, you got a fresh vision and a fresh revelation, a fresh picture in your mind of what God's doing. Maybe you got a little bit of a glimpse. Continue to press in and get, get a greater picture. Continue to ask him, God, give me your picture. And be prepared to be knocked off your feet in some ways. Be prepared to be scared. I remember Kerry used to say this many times when we'd come back from China. People would ask, how much longer are you going to be there? And we're like, we don't know. We wish there was a scroll that could be unrolled and we could see our life. But that would have scared us to death because I've shared this before. If you told me I would have been a pastor of a church, I would have run like Jonah. And I would have been craftier than Jonah. God wouldn't have caught me on that one. <laughs> you would never think that way. Maybe, maybe as we've pondered this picture and we know who we are in Christ, we, we, we've become a little bit more bold. There's less reluctance. There's less fear that we're willing to step out of the boat and onto the water in greater ways and allow God to begin to chart a new and fresh future for us. The point is we have to get off our hands. We have to step out. We have to take some risk. It's risky following God. It's not that, hey, we get salvation. And, hey, we've got a place in heaven. And, hey, all's good. He wants to use us, broken, dirty, whatever vessels we are. He wants to use us for His glory. He wants to use you for His glory. Age should not be a factor. Uh, physical limitations should not be a factor. Education should not be a factor. Your gift and your talent—none of these things should be a, a factor in limiting what God can do through you. Some of you might be called to stand up on your desk at work and begin to preach the gospel. That might scare the socks off you. But maybe that's the picture God gives you. If it is, I want to pray for you. It may be going out and just befriending someone and just being there intentionally, the power of presence, day in and day out, just loving them through something. For someone else, it it may just be on your knees praying day after day, hour after hour. Only you know those things. And that brings us to this blue sheet again. Because this is really the action of bringing it all to a piece of paper. And I said this last week. Some of you are looking at this and you're salivating because, oh, you love this stuff. Others of you are like, this is such a burden because I hate this. How can we ever put God into four goals, into four action steps, and, or so forth? But this is just a guide. Work it however you can. But this is the beginning to say, okay, God, what are you doing? Personally, what are you doing? What are you doing, God, in my life personally? Family-wise, what are you doing? Career and school-wise, what are you doing? Ministry-wise, what are you doing? beginning to put some of this out on paper because then there's a certain accountability that comes with it, which is not a bad thing. There's a certain proclamation that then comes. Then you can begin to take it out and begin to say, okay, this is where I am. Ooh, man, I, I need to work on this one. Okay, what's my hindrance here? What's my obstacle? What's, what's my sticking point? Or maybe I've already accomplished this one. Maybe, maybe uh, I wasn't thinking big enough. Let me go back before God and make sure I'm getting his picture in it and not my own. We're not just filling this out for today or or for tomorrow and it gets tucked away. This is something it wants to guide us that will guide us through this whole year. I believe this is so important we're gonna take just a few minutes and work through this. So I don't know if you have your blue sheet with you. I anticipate that that maybe a few of you might have left them at home. So I've got some extra copies. Just saying I don't know if anyone needs copies or been. I know, Craig there's some pins in the back if people need pins. But but I want you to take, we're going to take 10 minutes. If you've finished this already, pull it out, read through it. Say, God, did I, did I have a small picture on this one or this one? Maybe some of your action steps. Maybe you need to be a little more detailed on your action steps. Maybe you have got halfway through it, and there's one or two that you still haven't done. Begin to pray, okay, Lord, this is, this is what I've been chewing on. Continue to speak to me. Maybe you haven't begun at all. Just, just begin. Just pray for a minute or two, three or four, and, and just begin. If you finish or if you are finished, what I'd like for you to do is as you finish, you can just take your blue paper and just just hold it up like this. You can fold it over or whatever. And if you look around, you see someone else who has their paper up. I want you to partner up and just pray for that person. If you want to share one of your goals, you can. Or you can say, look, I prefer not to share my goals. That's fine. But just pray for that person to be strengthened and empowered to do what is on that piece of paper and even beyond that piece of paper. Okay, is there any questions? One minute.